Welcome to Securing Digitalization, the Siemens Cybersecurity Podcast. My guest today is Natalia Oropesa, the Chief Cybersecurity Officer at Siemens. She is the woman with the overview. She sees the big topics, the small ones, and it gets escalated to her. Great job. Also a terrible job because <laughs> all the heads turn when something goes wrong. Natalia, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, welcome. Andreas, very happy. It's a pleasure always to talk with you. Thank you. And I recently spoke to one of your colleagues, Stefan Ludwig. He does cybersecurity for Siemens Financial Services. And he remembers vividly the 9th of December 2021 when he got an email from you, an email that almost destroyed his travel plans for Christmas. Natalia, do you remember your email to him? And I also remember that vivid because it actually crashes my vacation plans for December 2021. Oh, no, and, what was uh, the plan? The plan was to spend the Christmas with my family in Mexico, and that was cancelled. Not the travel. I was in Mexico, but I was all the time in the phone and conferences and stuff like this. But okay, that doesn't matter. What matters is that Siemens stays protected. What I wanted to say is he got an email, but I got a call. The call was, I will say, almost funny one. You know, because I am used to get those kind of calls in the middle of vacations, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the dinner, whatever you tell me. So that's business as usual. As usual for me, that's normal. But I got that call that day and they told me we there is a vulnerability. The vulnerability is located in the library of Java. The library of Java is log4j. And then I know my script, right? So the first question is, okay, what critical it is? They told me it is very critical. This is rated 10 out of 10. Of course, I know what that means. It is a remote control vulnerability. So I know exactly what can be done with that vulnerability like this. It means that the hacker can gain remote control over our infrastructure. Next question is, where is it located? Which part of our infrastructure or our environment is affected? The answer was the vulnerability is located all over the place. Next question, all over the place, you mean the IT infrastructure, the applications? No, we mean the applications and the products. Next question was, did we start the scanning already? Actually, a scanning like this dimension have to approve. So I haven't seen an approval in my email yet. When are we going to start scanning? And the scanners help us to locate exactly where those vulnerabilities are. And we normally first locate and then patch. Well, they told me our scanners are not going to work because that Log4j included in Java has so many versions that we cannot use anything that we would have. Of course, we are already developing something, contacting our providers. But at this moment, we are not able to locate that. Okay. Next question was, do we have the team that we need in order to solve the situation? And the answer was, Natalia, 9th of December, by then was already the 10th of December. So, you know, we have a lot of people already going into the vacation. So in that moment, I was really scared. So that was the call I got, that issue they mailed that described Stefan Lübeck. And you said it was almost funny in the sense that everything it, that can go wrong has gone. It was funny because I had my script, as I mentioned. So those are the questions I always do, you know. Then I follow my script. And then at the end, it took me like a, some moment to realize, oh, my God, we have the perfect store. So what I heard is you ask, OK, how dangerous is this? Very dangerous, 10 out of 10. Then you ask, OK, so where is the problem located? 
It's everywhere in all our systems, all over. It's everywhere. Third question. Okay, great. But we've used our scanners, right? So we can find these bits. And then it's like, no, no, our scanners don't work. Okay, but we have a strong team, right? We can, oh, they're on holidays. <laughs> it's like... It was scary at that moment. But then I also remember calling the team on Sunday after we did the first researches, after we knew as well that it was not possible to get the proper patches from so many different Java versions. And then I managed or I called the team Sunday and I, I have to see which day was Sunday on that December. But It always happens I, on Sundays, right? It always gets to Sundays and it was 12 o'clock. I called the team, Rainer, Sana, Muhammad. I remember we called Baron Bauer who answered the call immediately, but he answered the call by saying, okay, this is a mistake, right? And I told him, I think he was already vacation. So vacations and Sunday, he says, okay, hi, nice to talk with you, but this is a mistake, right? Say no, parents. It's, it's, it's wishful a, thinking, right? It's, it's like, no, this can't mistake, be. And we need immediately a task force put in place. We have the following situation and we have to manually check all the applications and so on and so forth. That was between 12 and 2 o'clock. I don't remember. What I do remember is that we agree on a call on 21 hours, so 9 o'clock at night. Now, when I did that call with the team, then Florian Holz was in place already as the head of the task force. He was declared already as head of the task force. He was called as well on Sunday. And when I did the call on 21 hours, Florian presented already the organization and the task force and the to-dos that needed to take place in order to control this vulnerability. So the organization was ready for something the, that you can't be ready for. The organization was ready. The processes were already kick off, meaning everyone knew what to do. And the rest was just like follow up, dealing with the difficulties, dealing with the situations, because we had to patch not only once, but three and four times because the new versions of the software were again vulnerable in some cases with worse vulnerabilities than the initial one. So it was really the perfect storm and it tested our capabilities. Very briefly, Log4j, J. some people have heard the name, but what is it really? Let's briefly understand that. What is Log4j? This is a software component or a library that is included in Java. That library enables the software to create logs. So it's like in a book, it's the index. It tells us which page has which content and all the books have libraries and many of them use Log4j, but different versions of it. Correct. Java, as you can imagine, is very well known and is used all over the place. And of course, different versions and different providers are used. So it was difficult to manage. But at the end, we managed to control everyone. And I can tell you, Christmas was still difficult. We teamwork restless day and night. But by the end of the 30th and the 31 of December, the situation was under control, meaning not everything was 100% patched, but I remember we were patched on 96%, something like this. The most critical applications were patched already. So I managed to send to the management board the last update saying the situation is under control. We don't need to worry. Siemens is safe. I think the email came to the board at five or three o'clock in the morning of the 1st of January. So we managed to close the year safely and successful. You were in Mexico at the time. So a double mezcal or a double tequila? On <laughs> no, no, none of that. I needed to have my, my head clean and ready to act. And uh, of course, I managed to 
celebrate what we call in Germany Silvester with wine Noche. and with tequila and with everything available. Yes, Andreas, that, from that perspective, is you're right. Noche vieja. Is, Noche that, vieja. is that how you call it? Yes. yes. Okay, so you, do. you did get your mezcal there. Imagine we hadn't done anything. What would the consequence have been? The consequence would have been that we would have been exposed to the exploitation of that vulnerability. And since this vulnerability was spread all over the place, then for sure someone would have been successful deploying that vulnerability in the Siemens infrastructure or in the Siemens products. That sounds abstract. Deploy that vulnerability. What, what specifically could somebody have done with that intention? Well, I say exploit, which means for me to use this was remote control vulnerability, meaning if the attacker was able to use that vulnerability, then he or she would have gained control on our infrastructure remotely. So they might have changed whatever, your salary or purchase orders and wrecked havoc. Yeah, or steal data or compromise other more important pieces of infrastructure. They could do basically anything with a remote control or remote access to our infrastructure. When you say Log4J is everywhere and we had to find the versions manually, check them manually, how many individual versions and copies of Log4J did we have to check? You can imagine, Andreas, a company like Siemens has in the range of 10,000 applications of more that needed to be checked. How many people did you have to check that? Well, we have a team of 60, 70 people acting in the IT, in the CYS, and in the businesses. So CYS, that's the central cybersecurity department, if you want. Was December of last year the best or the worst month of your career? <laughs> you are making a good question, probably because I have that in my mind so fresh, it looks like the worst. But the fact is that this was one of the most difficult, let's say, task forces that I had to manage because it was like the perfect storm. I don't know if you know the movie about that, with everything that could go wrong went wrong, meaning we didn't have visibility, we didn't have the updates or the uh, patches available. It was in the middle of vacations, which made difficult the contact to the application owners and the application managers. So we did that and the vulnerability was spread all over the place and it was a critical one. So a lot of things came together that made this situation a very critical one. Now, it was also a situation that tested our capabilities. And I have to say, I am very happy that the test went successful. So maybe now in your mind, it's the worst month of your career. But who knows, in a few years back, as we look back, often things are a bit gilded and we see them in a mild light. Maybe it will look like the best month because it was a success. Yeah, correct. What are the learnings? What did we learn from this? When we did the lessons learned, and that's interesting because we didn't do only an internal lesson learned workshop, but we also did something externally. So we met with our colleagues or with partners of the Charter of Trust, and we came to several interesting conclusions. And the number one conclusion is Log4j is not going to be the last vulnerability of this kind, and every company should be prepared. So it was okay. like a dry run, a, a warning shot. Yes. Yes, it was. So we are all conscious that the more digitalization we have, the more of this kind of vulnerabilities are we going to face in the future. So we need to have 
task forces and processes ready in order to be used in this kind of case. The learning number two was that we have to come together quicker than what we did. And I will tell you why. We all companies, we experience the same difficulty with the scanning and the detection of or the or locating the vulnerability in our infrastructure because we all face the challenge that of the different versions of Log4j or for Java. And we all companies develop very, very quick tool that was able to detect that vulnerability inside of the different versions of Java. Now, all of us companies like Atos, Siemens, IBM, Airbus, and other partners, we all did the same. We could have done this only once, and that could have speed up the process. So, so more the, collaboration is what we need. Correct. More collaboration and faster collaboration. And because, of course, in a crisis situation like this, you tend to look inside of your team and deal with that internally. You never come to the idea to kind of contact someone in the first place, but we should have done this quicker and sooner. So this was a very good learning. The other good learning is, of course, that to know that the processes that we need to face a vulnerability like this, they are in place in Siemens. So we were able to locate the responsibles very, very quick. We were as well to enable a task force very quick, to have a leader of the task force very quick. We had already an organization in place that was ready to act. And of course, we found a lot of improvements that we need to deploy and processes, but it's very good to know as well that Siemens uh, has those processes. So three big learnings I took from you. One, there's going to be a lot more like this coming our way in the future. Two, we do need to collaborate more with other companies that face similar issues. And finally, the organization has what it takes to deal with these hits in the future. Different companies, different vulnerabilities. Not every company is a juicy target for hackers. What makes Siemens an interesting <laughs> target? But we are. I think I cannot honestly, and you please contradict me, but I can honestly not thinking about another company that delivers products and solutions for so many critical infrastructures. So Siemens is everywhere, trains, turbines, turbines, energy, health industries, manufacturing. So Siemens delivers products for many, many, many critical infrastructures. In addition to that, of course, it's a very successful one and belongs or has a lot of intellectual property that could be useful from others. So that combination makes Siemens a very, very interesting target for hackers. What I hear from you is also very different kinds of hackers. There are those that might want to disrupt, create problems in infrastructure that runs with the help of Siemens. That's one type of attack. And then there are the other ones that want to steal IP, that want to know, oh, how do we build the trains? How do we do things? And those are very different motivations. So if Siemens is a particularly juicy target, what are we doing different from other companies or what are we doing more than other companies? Well, you know, we have a risk-based approach and holistic approach. So I will explain what I mean by that. By risk-based approach, I mean that we protect more what is more valuable for us. So we identify our critical assets, then we protect them immediately. And those critical assets could be our products, could be our factories, could be our people, could be our systems. They are whatever. They are not one single server or one single piece of software. 
So we protect them and we make sure that we protect first what is more critical for Siemens. So in a way, if you had a small safe at home, what would you put in? The gold bars or the Mars bars? <laughs> you you put in what's really <laughs> If you ask my daughter, she would say the Mars bars <laughs> that she will not have interest in, in the gold ones. But that will not be the case for me. So I will protect, of course, the gold ones. And the other approach that we use very successfully is we have a holistic approach. So we protect the products first, because of course, this is what goes to the customers. And then we protect as well the infrastructure where we produce the products, which means our factories, not only our factories, but as well our depots, our warehouses, our distribution centers, because that helps us to distribute and to produce our products. And then we protect as well our IT infrastructure because that's the basis for the applications that support our processes like production processes, sales processes, marketing processes, financial processes, and so on and so forth. And the holistic approach is the one that includes everything. So we look end-to-end, if you will, to avoid having a hold in the middle that could put Siemens in risk. And that we combine with a very strong defense. So we know that we will be attacked. We know that vulnerabilities are going to happen. So we have a very strong defense in Siemens that include different automation tools, includes artificial intelligence for the detection of anomalies, and includes as well detection of any kind of vulnerabilities. We are constantly testing our infrastructure and our products with pen testing and black hacking and white hacking and blue hacking and you name it. And that gives us the possibility to know how healthy are we. When you say holistic, it sounds so abstract. But just let me cook up an example and see whether I got you right. I imagine division of Siemens that has a new product, ta-da, and they might say, look, we made it really cyber secure and the product is secure now. But then in the business process, it might be connected to an accounting system or to other. And suddenly in the context of it being connected, there's a vulnerability that the folks that make the product, they wouldn't see it. And that's why we need to take a look at it from different angles, holistic view. You make a very good example, Andreas. That's exactly right. You can have a very secure product that has been developed with security that includes for instance, security by design or security by default. But if you don't secure the factory where it's been produced from the different perspective, of course, that could endanger as well the security of the product that goes finally to the product. Therefore, you have to have this end-to-end -end perspective. You're and this is what we call holistic. Your CEO, Roland Bush, often says Siemens combines the real and digital worlds. And what I believe he means is Siemens does a lot of actual physical products, things you can touch, and they're shipped in boxes. And yes, they're connected to the internet and they have a digital side to them. Physical things means operating technology. How do we keep physical things safe and what makes that harder? Well, operation technology, meaning the technology that you can find in the factories. And we are not only talking about laptops and desktops and printers in the factories or in the warehouses. Now we are talking about robots and controllers. 
and especially industrial devices that until now they were not designed to be connected to the internet. And of course, those devices have a longer life cycle than the laptops and the desktops and the printers. So you normally renew those kind of devices every three years, but you will not renew a robot every three years. Then the complexity relies on the fact that all those devices that were not meant to be connected, now they are getting more and more connected because of digitalization. And now you have to make sure that connectivity is secure. And that you do with the help of technology and with the help of processes, of course, and with the help of experts that know how the industrial environments work. So I imagine, Natalie, you then sit in your office in Munich at the headquarters, Wittelsbacher Platz in Munich, and you push a button and automatically all the operational technology devices that Siemens operates all around the world are updated. That's how it that, works, right? That's exactly true. <laughs> <laughs> ah, wishful thinking. Huh? What's the reality? Yeah, like? I know. And now with the pandemic, I don't even need to sit in Munich. I can do that from my home office. Like, so. Or in Mexico on a beach and you push the button once a week and you've done your job. Wouldn't that be brilliant? Yeah, exactly. Correctly. This should go in that direction, I think. That will be my dream. But at this time, it takes a lot of effort and uh, it takes us as well a lot of expert knowledge in order for us to be able to deploy the needed measures in the factories, in the warehouses, in the locations that we need to have in order to protect our OT environments. Old infrastructure, brownfield, we have what we have. It's difficult. We're making it easier over time, fine. But then with new operational technology, there's a buzzword at the moment, which is security by default and security by design, which is meant to make things easier. What do these two buzzwords mean and how's that going to help us? Well, security by the design refers to the inclusion of security aspects in the development of a product. So if you are, for instance, developing software to create a new product or to make a new product, you have to make sure that that software is being developed with the security requirements that we have. So we have a very good, I will say the word in German, Regelberg or security rules. Set of rules. Set mm -hmm. of rules. That in the Spanish, developers. how would you say that for our Spanish? Regulaciones. Regulaciones. Regulaciones right. corporativas. So you have our PSS or product and solution security persons. They know very, very well what is to do. We have a very good organized PSS or product and solutions security organization and teams. They are normally accompanying the development of products and they are making sure that every step of the development of the products is including security and they do the testing and so on and so forth. This is so number in, one. In a way, when does that mean security by design means we're not building a product and then in the end we ask the cyber experts oh and how do we no, make no, it no. secure no right from the start yeah yeah that we don't do in siemens we have a very very strong product and solution security bss with a very good organized team and then once the product is designed then you want as well to design the product so that it includes security by default and security by default means the product will have the needed settings so that it can be used by the customer safely without them having to do something. I'll give you an example and then you tell me whether I understood well. You used to work at Volkswagen, a car maker, 
So let me use a car analogy. Security by design means I build a car which has airbags and I build a car which has ESP to give me more stability on the road. That's security by design. But then also, as I give you the keys of the car, you bought the car, you get the keys, I've already switched on the airbags. They will work. And I've also switched on ESP, the stability system, so that by default, you drive a car that uses the security features it has. You understood that 100% correct, Andreas. Thanks for explaining. <laughs> Let me pay, make a point here because we talk about security by design, we talk about security by default, but now it's important that you have in mind the complete life cycle of the product because the product gets designed, gets produced, and then goes into an installation of the customer and it's going to be used there. And during that time, of course, you have to watch that the software of the product is still safe. And therefore, what we do is we constantly test and analyze the software of our products to see if there are vulnerabilities. Because vulnerabilities, they are not something static. So it's not something that you have them once and then never again, but they are constantly changing. Why? Because the functionalities that you develop in those products could be used now for other purposes than the ones that were created. And that's what we call vulnerabilities. Well, if we stay with the cars, you're doing crash tests, right? regularly and you're getting really crazy creative with it, you might also submerge the car in water or you might catapult it with a catapult or you might throw firecrackers yes. at it. The example is correct. Now you have to think that you are thinking in the physical world. Now, if you move that to the software or virtual world, then the combinations of what you just described become to be endless. And therefore, you have to constantly test and find if the software has vulnerabilities to be patched. And that's what our team also does. We test constantly and we advise our customers that are already using our products about any vulnerabilities that the products may have. So by now, we know pretty much every single way in which you can crash a car and harm passengers. But we know probably less than a percent of a percent of a percent of a percent of possibilities of attacking a software system, an IT system. Very well said. Okay. Now, that topic comes up a lot. Recently, a Siemens launched a new platform called Siemens Accelerator mm -hmm. and everything here is cybersecure. But let's start at basics. What is Siemens Accelerator and what's the cybersecurity angle? You know that for now, the Demons Accelerator is a portfolio of services that are flexible enough to be connected basically everywhere. Now, what we are doing is to make sure that those services applications that are part of this portfolio are cyber secure. And we are making sure that those are cyber secure across the whole life cycle. So we make sure that they include not only security by design and security by default, but they are also in the future able to be monitored so that we are able to detect whether there are any anomalies and that we are able to prove them constantly from any vulnerabilities that we are able to patch them on the fly more or less so that you don't have to run through a painful process like what we had in Log4j. So the cybersecurity piece of the accelerator platform is very, very important because now you are going to increase the connectivity. You are going to increase the exchange of data. You are going to increase the exchange of functionality. And therefore, you need to pay a lot of attention to the cybersecurity perspective of all of this. So if Siemens were a supermarket, you've got a lot of products, but now Accelerator is like a new special room where you 
get products that are future proof in the sense that they are developed with digitalization in mind right from the start. You can plug them in, you can bring them into an ecosystem as a customer, but you also want to be sure that cybersecurity is not a hassle. And that's why also cybersecurity is particularly easy to deploy with products from Accelerator. Yes, they are cyber secure. The other issue is when you deliver products to a customer, to a client, it means yeah, you're part of the supply chain as Siemens. At the same time, Siemens is using a lot of suppliers to what about the supply chain? If Siemens get things right, fine. But what if the vulnerability hides in a bit that we're using and that comes from a third party or a third party that's connected to a third party to a third party all the way down? Well, supply chain security is one of the biggest challenges that we have these days. Not only we at Siemens, but in general, the industry, the different companies around the world. And, uh, and therefore, we are also working in this topic together with our partners of the Charter of Trust. Let me just add something. When I talk, for sure, it looks like we have that 100% of the control. And of course, we have done big steps already. Nevertheless, the supply chain security is a very, very complex topic. And we are in a journey. We are not there yet where we need to be. So we are really working every day very hard in order to make sure our supply chain is secure. What's the Charter of Trust exactly? What is it about? The Charter of Trust is the partnership that we have with other 17 companies, big companies like IBM, like Atos, like Airbus. And we cooperate together and we have agreed on 10 principles so that we can increase the security of the digital world. So that 10 principles go from having ownership on this topic of cybersecurity, having assigning the right priority in the topic in the different companies, includes, of course, supply chain security. We talk, we talk about security by the fall, but also interest in education, also interesting advocacy to the different governmental agencies so that we are able to influence as well development of the needed regulations that we need globally. And we are aiming to cooperate in order to secure the digital world for the society. That's curious. You could argue that ah, cybersecurity, it's a defining feature of our competitiveness. And if we're better than others, we'll have a competitive edge in the market. But what I hear is, no, it's actually much better for everybody if we cooperate in this. Correct. Absolutely. We are all convinced that we are able to secure the digital world again. Then, of course, we will facilitate and speed up the digitalization in the industry that is very, very much needed in order to solve the problems that we have in the world. And global warming is one of them. You can feel that these days. Yeah, You could say it's one thing to have to live in a very insecure world, physically insecure world, and we have the better armored vehicles to go around. And that's a competitive advantage. Wouldn't it be much better if everybody pooled resources to make the world a safer place and we can go around in normal vehicles much better? Correct. You have the big advantage, Natalia, that you have overview in the sense that as head of cybersecurity for Siemens on the whole huge organization, you sometimes can take bird eyes view, you can take different angles to problems. The downside probably is if anything anywhere goes wrong, heads will turn to Natalia. And yeah. <laughs> with all of that overview, these different angles, what would high level be your expectation? What are going to be the big things in cybersecurity in the next couple of years? What's the future going to look like? 
What I think is that for a while we are going to see more digitalization coming and that will cause more cybersecurity to be more needed. So the amount of vulnerabilities I mentioned like Geolog4j are going to increase. The number of attacks that companies like Siemens are having is going to increase as well because the interest is going to increase as well. And now what I see in the future is of course we have to innovate in the different solutions that we have in cybersecurity. We have to invest the automation of the cyber security. To give you an example is now we depend on the application owners, the application managers in order to at least patch the vulnerabilities and upgrade the software. Now what I envision in the future is to have an automated detection of those vulnerabilities and an automated patching of those vulnerabilities. I see as well in the future the possibility that tools could detect humans are doing something wrong like no complex passwords and correct that automatically without us having to touch that because we don't have those tools available, then the amount of attacks, the amount of vulnerabilities, the amount of situations in general that we will have in cybersecurity will grow, I would say almost exponentially. And we need to assure that that automation and those tools are given so that we can manage the cybersecurity in the future. That's what I predict. What I hear from you is if the next log4j comes along, you hope that you don't make 60 people manually go through all the applications we're using where it might be hidden, but that they are helped by a couple yes. of robots. And you know, by now I have to correct my 60 because I was just here texting with Florian Holtz, who was the head of the task force. And he told me there are hundreds of people that were helping in this regard in different grades. So probably between 100 and 300 people were touched by this vulnerability. Ouch. Wouldn't it be great if we could do it with maybe 30 people and a lot of smart tools next time around? Correct. Last question. When I put myself into your shoes, getting an email in early December that like something very, very bad is brewing, other incidents that look bad and turn over. How often, Natalia, do you dream of hacks? <laughs> Well, very often I go to bed having the feeling, oh God, we have there a possibility that could be used or very, very often Andreas. But then I can sleep very well because I need to. And the reason I can do that is because I know I have a wonderful team. The team, the cybersecurity team in Siemens, whether it's the central one or the one in the businesses, is awesome. So they are, first of all, very respectful experts. The expertise they belong in the industry, in cybersecurity, in the products, in the infrastructure, in the intelligence of threats, you name it, Andreas, is amazing. I am in love of that expertise. Just let me tell you. Second, the commitment they have towards the protection of Siemens is also amazing. I know I can call on everyone at two o'clock in the morning to be called by me and they will answer not only my calls, but the calls of the CERT or the product CERT. They are very well organized. And number three, we have deployed good technologies. We have deployed good processes. So that's the reason, even when I know it's scary and every night I go to bed a little bit scared, I can tell you I can sleep very well because I trust my team. I trust the team of Siemens. That is brilliant news because it means nobody has managed to hack your dreams yet. <laughs> <And> <laughs> 
<laughs> on that positive Natalia thank you so much for taking the time and I so look forward to chatting with you again soon yeah. big thanks uh, thank you very much Andreas thanks a lot always a pleasure chatting with you gracias hasta luego hasta luego